Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Every episode of Fireside we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell the tale and have a chat about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan and I am your host and your Fireside Bard. It is episode number 14 of Fireside and we are dealing with the landing of the Gyal. This is the last story of the mythological cycle, the earliest cycle of Irish myth. So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, you're very welcome along but why don't you head back to episode two uh, to hear the story of the landing of the Tuatha Dé Danann to hear what we've been building up to this in our look at Irish mythology and if it is your if you are a returning listener welcome back thank you so much for your continued support of this podcast it means the absolute world to me thank you for those who have subscribed who have left ratings comments please continue to do so as I say it does all every comment and every rating does make a difference in building this podcast into what I know it can become and is becoming. I am talking to you now, I'm recording this from Galveston Island in Texas. I am still on tour around the United States with Celtic Nights Irish Music Show where I'm singing and performing as a music and telling a few stories myself. And yeah, the last time I recorded one of these episodes I was in L.A., and I've been in quite a few places since then. I tried to get a bit ahead of myself because it's it's hard enough to record. I've got gear to record this on the road, but it can be hard to find the time or even just the space more than anything. Usually when we're in the theaters, like the lads might be sharing a dressing room or like or we travel around the States by bus. And um, so there's usually no time to do it or space to do it on that either. So you try and steal a moment where you can. And I'm recording this in a basement office in this in the Galveston Opera House where we're performing the show tonight. It is a beautiful, beautiful city, beautiful island. I've had a bit of a look around. Really, um, it's very southern and also very, seems very like New Orleans or something. Like it's real, there's a real great vibe around. I can't wait to explore a little bit more later on today and tonight. At, amazingly, like a real uh, folklore town. It seems very appropriate to be recording the podcast in this town because there's a witchery. So there's a place with uh, like spell books and and books on ruins and loads of uh, loads of different uh, spiritual stones and psychics and tarot cards and all this kind of crack. Incredible shop now. It was I went in there twice to be honest in the one day. Um, picked myself up a nice little Mardigan necklace, uh, which I which I love. It was a great find to have, and got a few other bits there as well. But so it felt very appropriate to be recording this podcast in this in this city, on this island. Um, but yeah, since since I was in LA, uh, I've been in, where have I been in? I've been in Missouri, we had a few days off in Chicago, um, 
been in Oklahoma City. Um, we were a few spots around Wisconsin. We had three shows in Wisconsin. Actually, I have a great story to do with the podcast about that happened in Columbus, Ohio, uh, which I will tell you after the story because we want to get down to it as soon as we can. But I'm delighted to finally have the opportunity and the chance to record another one of these podcasts because I love, love doing these on the road so, so much. So this story, this is the climax. Well, it's not the climax. This is the finale of the mythological cycle. It's a lovely end to it, actually. I thought it would be quite a, like a, a winding down, but this is a great tale that I hadn't known at all. And I'm really looking forward to telling it to you now. So I'll get right to it. And we can chat a bit more after the story, as I have plenty to talk about. But this is The Landing of the Gal on Fireside. The Landing of the Gyal. All rains must come to an end, even those, it would seem, of the gods. The Tuatha de Danann had a long and prosperous rule over Ireland, but their time had come to an end, to make way for the coming of the Milesians, the Gals, or as they would become known, the mortal Irish people. The last three kings of the Tuatha de Danann were Mac Cecht, Mac Green, and Mac Kill, the sons of the Plough, the Sun, and the Hazel. Each individually personified the three things the Tuatha de Danann had always held most dear. They were the grandsons of the Dagda. They ruled together, with each brother ruling for a year at a time. Each was also married to a sister queen of Ireland. Macquill was married to Banba, Macquecht to her sister Fola, and finally Macgreen was married to Eru. One such story of these three high kings is that their father, Kermit, had an affair with a woman named Book. Book just so happened to be the wife of Lou Lavada, who swiftly murdered Kermit when he found out, as you would. Kermit's three sons swore revenge. They found Lou swimming in a lake and drowned him. They buried him on the hill of Ishnok, the point where the five provinces meet. This is, of course, just one story, as many believe that Lou never died as he constantly returns throughout the remainder of the Irish mythological cycles. But one story that is worth believing is one day a ship was spotted off the north coast of Leinster. On board were eight sons of Milispania, or Milesis as he's known in Latin. These sons of Milesis would be known as Milesians. They had sailed from Hispania, or the Iberian Peninsula, modern-day Spain. Also on board with the sons of Milesis were their cousins, the nine sons of Ith. Ith had been brother to Milesis. The first to land on the shore was Amergen, one of the seven sons of Milispania. He spoke to his kins. Brothers, cousins, family, we have landed on the island that has been promised to us. Let's march on the hill of Tara for revenge, for victory. There was a mighty cheer. The Milesians knew that they were marching for the hill of Tara, but the problem was they didn't know where that was. They knew it was inland and obviously that it was a hill, but that's all they had to go on. So they just marched around looking for hills. First they came to the mountain of Schlieve Mish, where they encountered a single woman standing alone. They asked her name. My name is Banba. I am the wife of Mac Quill, 
the son of the Hazel, king of the Tuadedanan. You are destined to rule this land, but only if you name it in my honor. Amagan chose not to question Bamba, and promised he would, once he had overthrown her husband and her brothers. Then the Milesians came to another mountain, Shleve Evelyn. There they encountered another woman, who introduced herself as Fola. I am wife to Makkecht, the son of the plough, king of the Tuadedanan. You are destined to overthrow my husbands and his brothers and rule, but only if you name this new nation after me. Amagan replied, No problem. Once, as you say, we overthrow the three high kings. Another son of Milesis whispered in his brother's ear, But Amagan, what about the other? Shut up! interrupted Amagan. The sons of Melispania and Ith then came to the hill of Ishnach, where the five provinces meet, the mythological centre of Ireland, the supposed burial place of Lu. The Milesians thought that this place surely was Tara, but once again all they found was another queen of Ireland. The woman had her cloaked back to the Milesians. Let me guess, said Eremon, another of the sons of Milesis. She's going to be another queen, the wife of Macrian, son of the sun. The Milesians approached, but as the woman turned around, they were all struck dumb. The woman was at once the most beautiful and most frightening of the three sisters. She seemed to change from beauty to a sharp-beaked grey and white crow. The Milesians were afraid to look or speak. I am Eru, the queen said at last, queen of Ireland, wife to Mac Green, and you are the sons of Millespania and Ith. You have come to conquer and settle in this land, and you shall do. But you must name this new land after me. Even though every one of the Milesians knew exactly what Eru was going to say, none of them dared interrupt her. Amargan swore on the lives of all of his kinsmen he would make it so. The Milesians were, of course, in a dichotomy now. They had sworn to name a country they hadn't even conquered yet to three different women, three sister queens, the wives of their enemies. This was surely some kind of trick. Or perhaps they could only be successful with the blessings of these three queens. So Amagan decided that there was no reason why the country couldn't be named after all three. From thenceforth, the nation was known as Era after Eru, of whom the Milesians were most afraid. But they also would refer to the land as Fola, and as Bamba. And to this day, poets and scholars will refer to Era as Fola or Bamba as well, in the same way that a British person may refer to their land as Albion. But we won't talk any more about the British now. But first they had to conquer Era before they could name it. The Milesians finally arrived at Tara and met with Makkecht, Makquil and Makgreen, the three high kings of the Tuadedanan. When they were brought before them, the Milesians were shocked to discover the three men bickering with each other. As it never does, the joint kingship was not working. They would constantly bicker about who was the greatest or the most important. The hazel is sacred. Without the plough, there is no food. Without the sun, there is no life. 
The Milesians began to contemplate leaving the three kings to destroy themselves and to then return and pick up the pieces. But Amergen was far too noble for that. We have come for revenge, you cowards. Let us not forget that. Amergen marched towards the three kings and announced, Treacherous kings of the Tour de Danon, my name is Amergen, son of Milispania of the Iberian Peninsula, and these are my brothers, and these are our cousins, the sons of Ith. Does the name Ith mean anything to you? Should it? said Machiacht. Ith, continued Amergen, was my uncle. He spotted your nation from atop the tallest tower in Espana. He sailed to this land where his people were prophesied to live. He came before you three, and you murdered him in cold blood. The three kings were silent. I don't remember your uncle, said Maquil, but if he came seeking out our throne, what did you expect? He didn't seek your throne, just a home for his people, said Aramon. And you cut him down. So what is it you seek? Asked Macrine. Vengeance for our uncle, said Amagan. Vacate your throne to us or prepare for war. The high kings didn't know whether or not to laugh. But from the look on the Milesians' faces, they meant serious business. The Tour de Danon had not been involved in a war since the fight against the Fomor many years beforehand. Their army was totally unprepared and ill-equipped, but what they did have on their side was magic. Macrian said to the Milesians, We do not wish for war, but nor will we give up our throne. We propose a battle of wit and enchantment. We ask you to make another proposal to us. The Milesians thought this over, until at last Amergen said, We will return to our ships, and we will sail the length of nine waves away from the shore. If you can successfully keep us from landing, we will leave you to this land. But if we make it to the shore, you must vacate the throne and leave it to us. The three kings readily agreed to this proposal, as they were incredibly confident in their powers over the wind and the sea, and all of the sons of the Milispania and Ith retreated to their ships and sailed out past the ninth wave. When they turned their ships to make their offence on the shore, the druids of the Tour de Danon raised a mighty storm around the entire island of Ireland. The storm tossed and turned the ships and swept many of the Milesians to their death. Only three sons survived, Heber, Eremon, and Amargan. They knew this was no natural storm, so Amargan called on the spirits to aid them. We, the sons of Milesius, ask this land to let us in. Let our people live here. Let our own sit on the throne at Tara. May this land that lies in darkness be brought under our rule. We ask this in the name of this land, Era. After Amargan smoked these words, the winds and rains finally died down, and the ship of the Milesians was finally able to land. And it was at Inversane, off the coast of Kerry, that they made their landing. Amagan was once again the first to the shore, but this time he made his claim to the land with what has become known as the Song of Amagan. I am the wind on the sea. I am the wave of the sea. I am the bull of seven battles. I am the eagle on the rock. I am a flash from the sun. I am the most beautiful of plants. 
I am a strong wild boar. I am a salmon in the water. I am a lake in the plain. I am the word of knowledge. I am the head of the spear in battle. I am the god that puts fire in the head. Who spreads light in the gathering on the hills? Who can tell the ages of the moon? Who can tell the place where the sun rests? The two of the Danon could not believe that the Milesians made it to the shore. And Makkecht, Makquil, and Makreen were no strangers to treachery. So they decided they wouldn't honor the agreement between them and the sons of Milesius. So they went to war. Amagan asked for them to meet in Talton in Meath. The two of the Danon raised their army and the Milesians raised their own by sending for more of their own people back home. The forces met in battle at Talton and the bloodiest war yet seen in Ireland was engaged in. The two sides were well matched, but the Milesians had vengeance on their side. They had the bloodlust, and this tipped the scales in their favour. Eventually, Eru, Fola, and Banba engaged in the battle. This confused the Milesians, as they thought the three queens were playing both sides against the other. But the three sisters wiped out many of the Milesians with their enchantments and their skill as warriors. It was only when they met with the three brothers, Heber, Eremon, and Amargan, that Eru, Fola, and Banba finally fell. The Milesians asked to meet the three kings in single combat, a brother for a brother, to finally settle the matter. Maquil, Maquecht, and Macreen had no choice. They met each of the sons of Milespania in battle, and the last three high kings of the Tour de Danon were slain. The Milesians had won. Their uncle Ith had been avenged. What happened next changed and shaped Ireland forever. An agreement was reached with those who remained of the Tuatha Dé Danann, those who were known as the ever-living ones. Ireland would be divided. The Milesians would take the world above, and the Tuatha Dé Danann would retreat to the world below, or the other world. They would become a new people, the Shi, the fairies. As for the Milesians themselves, they divided Ireland further. Amargan had no desire to rule, despite his skills as a leader. So he decided Eremon would rule the northern half of the country, and Heber would rule the southern half. But within two years, Eremon had killed both Heber and Amargan, and Ireland was united under one mortal ruler at last. They decided they would no longer call themselves Milesians. The Norsemen would call them Vestmen, Westmen. But they would choose a different name. They traced their ancestry to Godel Gloss, who from 72 others crafted their language, a language he called Gaelic. The Milesians were known henceforth as the Sons of the Gael, and the Gaelic tradition lay its roots in Ireland, never to leave ever again. The poets of old used to have a saying that any Irish person who was brave or good in battle or could do great things without boasting or asking for a reward, he or she was a son of the Gael, whereas anyone skilled in music, arts or magic was a son or daughter of the Tua de Danon. To be continued. <laughs> And she is done. There is the end of our, certainly for the moment, our first look 
at the mythological cycle of Irish mythology on Fireside. And what an ending, what an important story that kind of ties, as those who listen to this podcast regularly will know, I go, I alternate from week to week where I do folklore or mythology. And they're very different in a lot of ways in their content, in my approach to them. But of course, they are all connected one way or the other. And this, this is the moment where they connect. This is the moment, the moment that the Tuatha Dé Danann are defeated by the Milesians and that they make that decision to go underground into the other world. And that is why that fairies are considered so vengeful, so wicked, so evil against humans, as they resent that their country was taken off them by mortals. And that is the reason why it's so dangerous to mix with fairies, is that they are just old pagan gods still put out by being forced underground. Isn't that incredible? And that, and that, was, just a, that was just a firmly held belief. And even if it's not, you know, even if it's not true, that's still incredible storytelling. That's so imaginative. That's so vivid. Um, and I love it. And that's, this was when I started reading this story. Um, of course, the first thing is like, you're like, where? This was, this was really hard to research the background of. And I hope, I hope I was able to make this story clear. I tried Stephen Fry's mythos books mythos and heroes are two of the biggest inspirations on on the, not only this podcast but just how i how i read and approach storytelling him myself along with neil gaiman and phil pullman but in heroes i think stephen fry spoke about how um loads of names would be thrown at you when you're listening to a greek myth and he said, like, he says openly in it, like, don't worry, a lot of names are going to be thrown at you. Just the, the ones that are important, you'll remember. And I tried to clean and condense and try to make it just a few characters in this. And because it's so lovely, like any triadic structure in anything, any rule of three in any story, just makes it seem so fairy taley, so folk taley. So the meetings of Eru, Eru, Fola and Banva. Those, those are, even though this was a story that I hadn't heard before, that part of it is one that nearly every Irish school child learns at one point. You heard about Era Fola and Banva, and you heard like that's why Ireland is called Era. But it's it's that confusing thing of the fact that it's also called Banva and Banva and Fola in the same way as I said that. England would be known as Albion. It is a romantic, it's a poetic term for it. But what a cool way to for that to come about. And they're, they're three badass young ones now, I have to say, the three girls. And it was great to, it was great to meet them properly, you know, because we, in the first episode about the two of the Dan, we heard they existed and fine ultimate battles themselves. And the three boys, the three boys, another rule of three, the Machiak, the Machreen, and Machquill, that's, the plough, the sun, and the hazel. The three just most valuable things. Two of the Danon obsessed, obsessed with those. While I think of it, um, there's one I kind of just need to say straight away. But uh, I I do my own versions of these stories. As you know, I rewrite them entirely myself and try to add my own or make my, them my own twist to them. I do it a lot more with the folk tales as the, the details is a lot more important in 
in the mythology and often the storytelling is just so strong itself whereas you can get good or sometimes not bad but dated versions of a lot of the folk tales but one this is one of the first things i've taken verbatim from from the book i found it in as this is a, like a definitive version and that is the song of amorgan the i am the wind of the sea i am the wave of the sea i didn't want to rewrite that and i didn't want to leave it out so i thought there was no harm in keeping that as as a poem just in there and i loved it it's it's epic it's it's like beowulf or like hercules it's this real call call to the elements call to the gods that's that's my kind of crack right there and i hope you enjoyed that as well while I think of it, so I was in Columbus, Ohio a couple of weeks ago and a girl came up to me. No, I got, I got a message on Instagram. I got tagged in a photo by a girl who said that she was at Celtic Nights and that she was hoping that she could meet me after the show to tell me how much she enjoys the podcast. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe, like, I'd traveled, like, thousands of miles across the Atlantic Ocean, like, from a podcast that I record in a studio in Dublin. Um, that, like, I've tried plugging myself and the studio, Headstuff Podcast Network, has, has their name as well, and they've been plugging it as well. But, like, nothing big like that, America-wise. And... I replied straight away. I said, I absolutely like let's I would I'd love to chat afterwards because we we sell a bit of merchandise from the show, we sell CDs and stuff after the show, and we do go out after the show and have a bit of a meet and greet with the audience, real nice to just shake hands and say hello to everyone and thank them for coming. So I knew I was gonna be out there anyway. Um and she just came up to me and we said hello and I just asked her, I said, How how did you find out about it? How did you find out about the podcast? Because um, it's so recent as well. Like it's only, this is episode 14, but that's still only a couple of months in the grand scheme of, you know, like they're, the big podcasts are in there, hundreds and hundreds of episodes at this stage and going strong. And she just said that she was really into folklore and she had been looking for a podcast like it. And she just kind of, it just came up and I was so happy with that. I was so touched. It was so great to meet someone. Like, like, and it just, it reminded me how much I love this as a medium, podcast as a medium, that they are free, that they're so available, that anyone in the world can get them. And I've spoken before, it's like, uh, we released this podcast on Audio Boom, is the hosting site. And on Audio Boom, you can look at your analytics. You can see, you can't see like how many subscribers you have, but you can see how many listens there are. And best of all, you can see where in the world you've been listened to. So the most bizarre places, like in Seoul, in South Korea, the podcast has been listening to like a bit as well by a few. And I dedicated an episode to the South Korean listeners before. Uh, haven't quite cracked into the North Korean market yet, but I'll get them. But for me to be traveling around America and to meet someone in Columbus, Ohio, who enjoyed the podcast was incredible. And I was so, and I was so delighted to meet her. And this, this episode is dedicated to her, uh, if she is listening out there, as I hope she is. I hope meeting me didn't put her off listening to the podcast anymore. Uh, but yeah, I got a real kick out of that. And even last night at the show, some woman came up to me after at the table and said, oh, I subscribed at the, at the interval. I look forward to listening to it. It's great. It just makes you feel like you're doing uh, 
you're doing something all right, doing something okay. So thank you so much to all of you who listen to it and continue to support it. I hope it's getting better. I hope performing it more. I hope it's not dipping in any way because I just want it to get stronger and stronger because I love doing it so much. But to talk a little bit more about the story before we head off, this, the big thing when you were researching it, as I said, like difficult, tricky one to research, but we're Spanish. The Gaelic people, like it's it's hard to know like where there's a couple of ideas of where even the term Gal and Gaelic and Ga- Gaelic comes from, because there's so many similarities, but there's very different ones as well, um, and yet the thought is that they came from the Iberian Peninsula, they came from Spain, so we're all all Irish people are secretly Spanish apparently. How wonderful is that? What a lovely thing, and this. This story got, there are versions of this that get very, very religious again. Like a lot of them, just trying to, trying to marry. It's the early Christian scribes trying to marry the two worlds. But this is, this is a particular, this is almost like a a three-hander of this is mythology, uh, religion, and history. You've got the three of you, you've got the story that was held as the belief. You've got the new story of the belief trying to marry them two together and then you're mixing that with things that actually did happen there actually were a gaelic people they did come and settle in ireland at some point did they overthrow uh, three mythological gods and their battle goddess wives to do so possibly not but that still did happen in some form and the attempt to rationalize that and to explain that is so admirable and so obviously what people would have wanted. You know, everyone wants to know the constantly throughout history. It's the why we're here. And those early those early Christian scribes that are the reason we do still have these stories, um, even though they've altered and doctored so many of them and probably through the ones that they couldn't tie together into and marry with Christianity are lost to the ages because of them as well. And that's just unfortunate it's unfortunate that the Greek myths have survived so well because uh, the people who wrote them down, those early Greek poets, were some of the greatest poets of all time. And so the work was instantly recognized and instantly well received and is just was passed down straight away and then was turned, in certain generations, was turned into the greatest drama that's still performed. There are still productions of Oedipus and Medea and all these wonderful Greek tragedies. These are still performed all around the world every year, and they're literally thousands of years old. And we still, Ireland still has that as well, just not quite as well preserved. And that's my little goal with this in the very, very modest, obviously very minor way. But still, like that's that's what I want out of this is just to keep these alive, to let people know, not just Irish people, but to let people know that our mythology is here as well and our mythology is good and trying to salvage that. And I hope you all get that and I hope you all like that. But it's a little bit of a shorter episode today um, just because I have the show and everything. But I really hope you enjoyed it. And I'll be back next week, right on time, hopefully this time, um, with another myth story. This one, so I'm excited about the next episode. I'm excited about every episode, but the next one is a special one for a different reason. 
I have been reading a book on American folktales, as I said before on this, uh, because I wanted to to marry, to tie my trip in America with the podcast as well. So I wanted to look for some American, Irish-American folktales. We had the folktale of the Tobacco Quest a couple of weeks ago, which was, you know, an allegory of my own, not an allegory, but just similar to my own travel going across to America, and it was nice to prepare in that way with it. Um, but next we're going to get an American folktale. And amazingly, it's an American version of an Irish folktale. Or it might be, the, the one I read before might be an, an Irish version of the American folktale. More likely an American version of the Irish folktale, though, I think. But you'll see a bit, and it's actually one. I very nearly had this folktale as the very first episode. So when it was the very first story in this book of American folktales I found, I said, that's a sign. That's a sign from the fairies themselves that I was meant to do this as the first episode. Have the script ready to go. Looking forward to recording it. And I hope you all enjoy listening to it. So I'll go on now. I'm going to head out into Galveston again. Enjoy a bit of this Texas sun. A bit of this good Texas weather. And I'm going to get some gumbo. I'm going to be that guy. I'm in, the so- I'm in southern Texas. Not I mean, I mean eastern Texas now as far as I know. I'm on the coast now. I in my I was terrible at geography in school. I didn't realize that Texas actually was a coastal state. Texas is just the biggest thing in the world, and I love it here. So I'll go on, but continue listening. Thank you for so much for listening. And if you want to contact me, as always, you can contact me on Instagram at Olahan Solo, all one word, O L O H A N S O L O. And I will see you all next week round the fireside. Bye bye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.